0: Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. What? (laughs) Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Get ready for comedy. Politics. The gay spin on the story was like, Queen Elizabeth fucking loves us. Pop culture. I'm not a sports fan, I don't follow this shit. ADD Jeff. Fuck you, I hate you. (laughs) Sexual harassment of celebrity guests. And you are always welcome in my apartment in New York City. And by my apartment, I mean my bed. (laughs) And poetry. Hotter than Vesuvius, more well endowed than the Mastodon. It's the Adam Sank Show on Derek and Romaine. 2.0 2.0 and for the next hour you're in the ass hey, fuck yeah. and now the one the only Adam Say! Bottom. yes welcome to my ass waiting for you welcome to my ass welcome to my ass little Taylor Swift coming at you today Wait,
1: welcome.
0: What? that's a Taylor Swift song well Welcome to New York. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I've had too much wine. Um, you guys, it's the Adam Sank Show. Today we're pretending that it's Sunday, October first, twenty seventeen. This is clearly not a live show. We are pre-recorded. Do not call us, Charles and Cornhole.
1: And it's still hotter than hell in here. It's
0: hotter than balls. Hopefully, when it's really October first, it won't be. But on this pretend October first, we are schwitzing. Um, you can hashtag. A- <laughs> I'm fucked up, Jeff. You can tweet about us (laughs) with hashtag ass. You can email me at adam at adamsank.com. You can like our Facebook page, The Adam Sank Show. We are back once again with ADD Jeff, Katie, JB, and running the board for the first time is Gwen. Gwen, say something. Are you you excited? Are you nervous? Are you freaking out? What's happening over there?
2: I'm a bit nervous.
0: Yeah, it's your first time, right? Yeah. You should be. Don't (laughs) touch that button!
2: Oh, but sorry.
0: JB is an old pro, and he's uh, he's got your back, right? He's showing you the ropes. I sure hope so. Gwen has <laughs> blue hair. I don't know if everyone knows that, but it's fucking awesome. She's like
1: that girl on Big Brother.
0: <laughs> Gwen uses the pronoun they, <laughs> 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 not she. Am I correct in that? Yes. So yes. They, oh. they look like the girl. I on Big really Brother. have to. You got to step up. up your your gender nonconformity, Jeff. <laughs> you know,
1: I was I was disparaged for not being uh very popular with the gender nonconformists. So, yes, that was a, a this c- is a learning opportunity segment for me. It's for a very very good learning opportunity for we're me. We're
0: always trying to teach Jeff um, how to be appropriate and how not to uh dominate when we have a guest interview. Well, listen, w- with if you were going to ask better
1: questions, I would have let you.
0: Okay. <laughs> You guys, we have a fabulous guest on the show today. His name is Jason Stewart. He uh, has been kicking around the stand-up comedy scene for a long time. Very, very funny, openly gay comedian. Um, one of the, uh, the people that I most admire uh, as a gay comedian. And also someone who, uh, in recent years, has become quite a successful actor on, um, on some really big TV shows and movies that you will have heard of. So um, we're excited to welcome him later in the show. Uh, But first, I want to talk about uh, an article that caught my eye. This was on BuzzFeed, Jeff. And it's 18 history facts that will make you say, sounds fake, but okay. All right. And I'm not going to read you all 18, but some of them really did blow my mind. And the first one is this. Cleopatra lived closer to the release of the iPhone 7 than to the construction of the pyramids.
1: I mean, this makes sense to me. It does? Yes.
0: Less time has elapsed between Cleopatra and the iPhone 7 than between Cleopatra and the construction of the pyramids. The pyramids of Giza are dated back from 2550 BC to 2490 BC, but Cleopatra lived from 69 BC, come on 69, Mm -hmm. to 30 BC. The iPhone 7 was released in 2016. That means that she's closer to the iPhone by p- approximately 500 years. It was years. Released before
1: 2016. It was like 2006. It's no, been 10 years.
0: No, the iPhone 7, motherfucker. Oh, 7.
1: Okay. Well, even still. <sighs> All right, fine.
0: Just don't speak, Joe. <gasps> Another fact that sounds fake but okay. Two people died in 1986 as a, as the result of a sea of over a million balloons floating into the sky. No.
1: This is not true.
0: In 1986, they held what was called Balloon Fest in Cleveland, Ohio, and it turned deadly. Countless balloons filled the sky, making it practically impossible for aircrafts to be able to see. This resulted in the drowning of two men who couldn't be reached by the Coast Guard on account of all those fucking balloons.
1: Wait. Okay, so wait. They released balloons in the air. Over
0: a million of them.
1: Which caused the planes not to be able to see, but someone drowned, which is why Because the Coast Guard were using
0: planes to try to find the two men and they couldn't, so they died.
1: That is (coughs) such a convoluted fucked up And that's
0: actual audio of one of the million balloons popping. Wow. Over Cleveland, Ohio. So don't fucking have any more balloon fest. Also, balloons kill birds and other wildlife. You're basically just sending up a million pieces of pollution. Rubber, it does not biodegrade. Do you smoke? Uh I do smoke occasionally, but well, I man. will have you know, Jeff, that I don't ever leave my cigarette butts on the ground. I put them in trash cans because I don't want the ocean floor Do you to smoke be around non smokers? Covered Um, if they are okay with it. Mm. I smoke outside, so All right. Same you know, difference. There's fresh air. Same what the thing. fuck does that have to do? It has
1: to do with the same thing oh, as you saying so like a balloon is killing the entire environment.
0: Oh, my Katie, God. Katie, can I get a new co-host? <laughs> can you be my co-host? Jesus. Jeff is like, I mean, this is when your ADD is really acting I up. know. I know. It's been in check for months, and now it's just like you're... you're Listen, uh, I
1: was letting you get in your footing, so yeah. now you
0: have to put up with you're, this. You're like a Tasmanian devil today in this studio. Yeah. Uh, all right, here's another uh, f- wonderful... True fact that seems fake. The Romans used human piss as mouthwash and teeth whitener.
1: It is sterile.
0: Wait, we have a recording of the Romans using human piss as mouthwash.
1: That is almost making me gag. It is disgusting.
0: Urine was so useful to the Romans that they collected it from public urinals and sold it. Oh! To the point where it was even taxed. While the urine had uses in stain removal and leather, and leather softening, it was most interestingly used for dental hygiene. It was believed that the ammonia would remove the stains on the teeth and help fight bad breath.
1: Okay, it's one thing to get it straight from the tap, but it's another to go to urinals and collect it.
0: Well, you know there After are the fact. there are piss queens who are listening out there who are probably jerking off to this story, uh, and and urine does have ammonia in it, which is a, a, a um, cleaner, an antiseptic. Gwen seems like they have something to say. Go ahead, Gwen.
2: Um, I had um, a Latin class where we learned a lot of Roman history, mm. and not only would they use it for that, but they would also like wash clothing in, in urine. urine. And, and they, they would like use their feet to like um. You know how you, like, the friction, you rub the clothes together? They would, they would just do that with to their scrub. feet. To scrub the clothes with... In other urine. words,
0: instead of rubbing it on a rock, they would rub it on their dirty, smelly... Feet. Barefoot.
2: With urine.
1: With urine. Yeah.
0: I mean, like the Romans tub full of urine, were some basically. skanky piss queens, <laughs> is I think what Gwen is telling us.
1: I mean, basically. one time I did suck a dick, and the guy said he was going to pee in my mouth so I could get the ramifications of the K that he took earlier in the evening. But that didn't seem to work out for me.
0: You swallowed his piss?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I figured I would try it once, and so I tried it. Man,
0: you are hardcore. I
1: didn't like it. I didn't do it again.
0: I am shocked and slightly titillated. No, I'm really not. (laughs) I'm so not into... I'm such a vanilla whore. I say this all the time. No, you're not. Give me a nice dick, a little sucking, a little fucking, maybe some verbal roleplay. I'm good. I do like the verbal. I don't need... The piss and the shit I don't need the piss. and the, the handcuffs and the nipple clamps. I'm so vanilla. I don't judge anyone who does. You freaks out there, you fly that freak flag and you do whatever feels good with other consenting adults. But I'm just saying for Woo-hoo! me, piss just doesn't do it. The thing. last guy
1: I dated, and when I say dated, I mean we went on like three consecutive dates within a 30-day period. Uh, when we had sex, though, we had sex three times. Oh, my God, I loved it. He would beat me. Like, he would, like, he hit me. He was, like, the first guy to ever, like, hit me in the middle of sex. And I was, like, surprised that it felt good. And I was, like, harder! And I, yeah, I told him to do it again.
0: Well, we're going to have another show next week dedicated to Jeff's um, (laughs) perversions. But we're going to move on with this article for now. And here's another fun fact that seems impossible. A soccer game in 1969 literally caused a war between Honduras and El Salvador. I do believe this. And when I said literally, I sounded like Maya Angelou. It literally... Literally. Literally. Caused a war between Honduras... I've always said... Surprise, motherfucker! ...and El Salvador. Okay, while competing for a spot in the 1970 World Cup, tension between the two countries reached its peak after El Salvador won the best of three games against Honduras. That's how you say it in Spanish. They cut all diplomatic ties attacked and invaded Honduras 4 days and 2000 deaths later El Salvador called it quits and the 100 hour war ended this is why professional sports are fucking thank you stupid. i say the same thing what a i mean can you imagine 2000 people dying cuz of a game
1: yes i can and this is why fuck that shit as of like 3 years ago i had to amend my saying like Tell me, can anyone in this room name one war that wasn't started because of a religion or b a sporting event? Like, name one war that wasn't started because of one of those two. Well,
0: times. I would say the Iraq War and the War in Afghanistan. Those are
1: because of religion. And Vietnam. Mm. Vietnam. Okay, I don't know what actually started that one, <laughs> so it may not be religion. But the Iraq one and the Afghanistan. <sighs> no religion. I feel like
0: you're turning me into Doria Biddle. I feel like everything you say, I just want to go. <sighs> okay. We're going to move on to um, another fun fact, and this one, honestly, this to me blew my mind more than any of the others. I don't know why. More than the piss, more than the <laughs> balloons, more than uh, Cleopatra. The 10th U.S. president.
1: I don't know, do you know who, that who that was. was? No, Does anyone know who the 10th
0: U.S. president was? John Tyler. Okay. Who was born in 17, 1790, still has living grandchildren.
1: Great, great grandchildren.
0: Nope. Grandchildren. No. Like his son's sons. Can't. The 10th U.S. president, born in 1790, still has living grandchildren. Here's why. He died in 1862. His two living grandchildren are Lion Tyler Jr. and Harrison Tyler. They were born in 1924 and 1928, respectively. They are the sons of Lion Tyler Sr. He was 75 when Harrison his uh, one of those two kids was born and the president was 63 when he was born so let's back this up john tyler is 63 years old and his wife gives birth to lion tyler senior when lion tyler senior is 75 he gives birth to lion tyler junior and harrison tyler so you're talking about a span of 150 years i guess then fine And President John Tyler didn't die till 1862. So in the 1860s or 50s, he has a kid. That kid has two kids in the 1920s and those two kids are still alive. That fucking blew my mind. That someone born in 1710 has two living grandchildren.
1: That's like by the skin of the chinny chin chin.
0: But still, I mean and this is the thing about men. We can father children forever. I mean, I can't because I'm never going to put my penis in a vagina. But (laughs) Theoretically, do you want kids? I do. I, um, do you know? It's interesting. I have no desire to have children. Really? I never did. I did. Even when I thought I was straight, you did. Yeah. I've always. I still want. Children. If you met the man of your dreams, yes. I, I mean, my sisters have kids, and I adore them. I love being an uncle, but when I leave, and I'm like, goodbye.
1: <laughs> they're I your responsibility.
0: Age- it's the best feeling in the world. I. I don't. I don't want to be that responsible for another human being ever.
1: I don't know why I do, but I do. But I I thought when I was younger, like by the age of 25, I would be married with two kids, white picket fence, two-story house, that whole thing.
0: I think I'm too selfish. I I love having a dog, and that feels like a tremendous responsibility, but that's it. No kids for me. Anyway, so congratulations to President John Tyler for having two living grandchildren. Um, And finally, the last fact I'm going to tell you about that I found fascinating was that vibrators— only exist because, oh, what do I, Katie is actually demonstrating a vibrator just to make this story more interesting. Vibrators only exist because doctors' hands got tired of bringing women to orgasm in order to treat hysteria.
1: I'm sorry, what? <laughs> no, I mean, I heard what you said, but I'm just During saying-
0: the 19th century, nobody knew what the female orgasm was, Okay. But reaching what they called paroxysm or orgasm was the treatment for hysteria. When you had a hysterical woman and she needed to be treated for this medical, psychological condition, which, by the way, just meant that a woman was like pissed off and speaking her mind. Right. But that was considered a mental disorder in the 19th century. They would bring her to orgasm. Doctors would use their hands to achieve this. And that became tiresome because... I do know from past experience that trying to bring a woman to orgasm is not easy. No, it's not. Katie, Gwen, you want to weigh in on this? It's. I mean, you got to really know what you're doing. You got to know where the clit is. You got to know, and every woman is fucking different, right? You don't all come the same way.
1: Some are penetration. Some are
0: stimulation. Some. Katie, according to Romain. Are you on?
1: No.
3: Okay, here there. I am. I would. Uh, I actually wouldn't object to that. But it would take a doctor, I mean, with the, you know, quick appointment turnovers, I don't think it'd be feasible for doctors today, but, uh, yeah. You
0: would let a doctor bring you to orgasm to treat your hysteria? Dude, there are some days I go in. That's so creepy.
1: There
0: are some days I go into the doctor like,
1: please just let him touch it. There are
3: some good looking doctors. Yeah.
0: I mean, Gwen, do you have anything to say about this? Um. I'm shocked at my staff today. Everyone's freaking out.
2: For the longest time, I actually couldn't orgasm. Like, not even on my own. Interesting. Um... It took, like, I want to say a good three years of being sexually active, and then my first several orgasms were actually quite painful. Oh, dear. Well, wait. Sexually
1: and active or yeah, masturbating like, for three years first?
2: Uh, Sexually active. Okay. Like Like, I've been masturbating for, like, my whole fucking life. <laughs> That's a um, soundbite
0: that we can isolate for future shows.
2: Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I've been masturbating. Yeah, no, it uh, took a good... I could never do it on my own for some reason. Oh! It's because I would, like, get overstimulated before reaching orgasm. Mm. So then I couldn't, like... Men
0: don't have this problem. Weird. We just jerk I it. I did. And
2: no, for the what? first, weird. for the
1: first like, uh, three months when I first started jerking off at the age of 10, and I remember one time using so much baby oil that, like, it formed a film over my penis, and I would have to go into the bathroom with a hot rag and scrape the, like, right. extra That's baby just, oil This off. is too much. But anyway, I thought I was going to pee, not ejaculate, so I would stop. But oh. I was like, but
2: it's so exciting! I want to keep going! I want to keep. But I'm gonna pee. Well, so that's I would but stop. you were you were that's, prepubescent. That's thing. Yeah, I was ten. That's yeah. another thing, like um, people with vaginas, like um, you know, like squirting. Yeah. It feels like you're gonna pee.
0: Yeah.
1: Did you so,
2: come right away the first time you masturbated? No, I
0: was like you. I started masturbating when I was very young, and you would I would get I would get a feeling. Yeah, that I would the tingling. Yeah, that I was like, oh, I'm done, yeah. and I, it was sort of an internal orgasm. And then the first time come came out, I was like, what's this? Right. And I was kind of pissed because now I had to clean up. But <laughs> the good news is, ladies and Gwen, is that in 1880, Doctor Joseph Mortimer Granville created the vibrator to assist doctors in their treatments. It was a medical instrument to deal with those fucking hysterical women <laughs> and their non-orgasm having their weren't the getting any at
3: home.
1: And, and the now rest they s- call it a back massager.
0: So, Romaine, if you're listening, you can thank Dr. Joseph Mortimer-Granville for the vibrator. And by the way, that vibrator sound effect, let's hear that again. That doesn't sound like a vibrator to me so much as like a, lawnmower? a broken down old lawnmower or like a refrigerator or something. Does that yeah. sound like any vibrator you would ever <laughs> no. use?
3: It sounds like hair clippers or a lawnmower. Or like a meat <laughs> grinder.
0: Like do you <laughs> have
1: dildos?
0: I don't use any sex toys.
1: You don't have any sex toys?
0: and I don't. I've never been into them. Damn, I'm telling you, I'm vanilla as fuck. Go I ahead, JB. I
4: y'all shady as fuck because that is a vibrator. That was from an actual vibrator. The vibrator is spinning and all that. That
0: is noise from an actual vibrator. I, I okay,
1: wait. Do you have a vibrator? Do you have a dildo probably that you play with at home? a
2: vibrator too close to the microphone.
0: Something's weird about that vibrator. But JB, answer Jeff's yeah. question before we move on. Um, do you own sex toys?
4: No, cause I have a
2: man who has a penis like a sex toy. So I
0: have, I have, hey, I have big three. three. <laughs> I, have I have two. You have two. Yeah. I so have I have
1: like one of the like hard plastic ones that's like a little butt Ow. plug, I don't and then I man, have butt. two various sized, you know, uh, porn star penises, right? Where they all thick and veiny and white and whatnot. But uh, like one, I think, is Eric Rhodes, and I think the other, I, I can't remember. Who you the other one is. are
0: fucking yourself with a dead man's penis. <laughs>
1: I mean, I don't Eric think about Rhodes it like that. Eric Rhodes is
0: no longer with us.
1: I know, but I I didn't go for the name. I He's went for like his the size. And you can and fit remember, that inside no, you? No, I remember buying it and for for it being my first sex toy. I was like, woo, oh, what did I do? Woo, oh, this is too much. I I couldn't do it. I couldn't How big use is it? it. I <sighs> like it, it. was like this long and like this thick. And I thought that was oh, average. That's nothing.
2: That's I know. Nothing. Well, for Have me, you seen it was bad everything. Except that you've seen Bad Dragon?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> but, All right. I mean, I had to get a smaller one to, to you know. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've up. enjoyed our warm history up.
0: lesson today. Uh, this is just like your your tenth grade history class, except with
1: you've never vibrators, dildos. No toy.
0: I have tried. I just don't really like it. Um, it doesn't do do anything for me. I'm not real ass centric. Really. I don't. I mean, listen. <laughs> I love getting fucked, but it's not my favorite thing. It doesn't, it's not the end all be all. I would, I would be very happy if someone said to me, okay, for the rest of your life, all you can do is have oral sex. I'd be very happy. Yeah. I don't, I, but really I'm not I agree with you on that though, by the way, I love, I love sucking dick. I love to get my dick sucked. That's another drop that you can isolate. For future shows, um, but but the ass is complicated. I mean, you know, I'm not always up for getting fucked, and yeah. you know, it has to be just the right dick. And I don't, I don't really, I don't feel so much back there. It's more of a psychological thrill than yeah, it yeah. is a um, physical thrill. Anyway, I want to move on because we only have nine minutes before our our <sighs> interview starts. Fine. Um, and there's a lot more to talk about, but I hope you enjoyed the history lesson and the sick as fuck sex conversation that we just had. Okay. This isn't even on the agenda today, but I, I forgot to do this story a couple weeks ago. A South Carolina couple has been arrested for playing around on a golf course instead of playing around on the golf course. Oh, do you know yes. what I'm saying?
1: Yes, it was so sad.
0: The Herald of Rock Hill reports that Tiga K. South Carolina police received a call from a resident shortly before 7.30 p.m. Sunday saying that two people were lying on the 8th fairway A police report said the resident told officers he thought there may have been a medical situation. No. He thought someone was in trouble. But after looking through his binoculars for 40 minutes, he saw that the two people were engaged in a sex act. Two more witnesses told police they saw the couple from the tee box but initially thought them to be a deer on the fairway. Because two people fucking... Can easily be mistaken for a deer.
1: Would you watch or would you move on?
0: I would so watch. I would watch too. Police say that 19-year-old Dakota Len Payne and 24-year-old Kiernan dunn Hennessy were arrested and charged with indecent exposure their status wasn't immediately known monday i think there's a lot of outdoor places you can have sex why a golf course do you
1: th- i don't know why a golf course but do you think if like you had a hot enough body like if you were on like the website hot or not and you were rated a 9 out of 10 that you could get away from the whole indecent exposure sort of charge like i'm hot no. i'm not indecent i mean, I, <laughs> I look pretty fucking good motherfucker like what is indecent about this naked body but it's think been about in Playgirl.
0: 90% of the world would be just appalled by seeing people fuck in public not really they don't watch pretend and to be
1: i think seven out of ten would watch that's why i asked you would you watch or would you not watch you said I, you listen, would watch.
0: i have no problem with people fucking in public that to me is a victimless crime unless there's like children around right but um but but
1: would you masturbate at the, the same my time?
0: parents my <laughs> sisters anyone who isn't me anyone who isn't like a gay man i bet your parents would watch they would definitely not watch. My dad you know? would watch for like a minute, but then they would be like, oh, this." my mother. I know my mother. She would not want to watch people If it people was just fucking. your mom and your she dad by even themselves. Wanna, she doesn't want to hear about fucking. She'd wasn't, she won't listen to this show. If Trust it was me. If your mom
1: and your dad by themselves and they were like on a date night. It's not going to happen. And they caught people fucking. Trust me. I think they'd watch. In
0: other news, a Missouri teenager says that her teacher told her she was too busty. Katie, this story made me think of you.
1: Well, that's discouraging. A Missouri
0: teenager says that a high school teacher told her during class that she was, quote, too busty and that, quote, plus-sized women needed to <gasps> shop at stores that sell larger clothing. I don't like that teacher. This happened in Joplin, Missouri.
3: Why does this remind
0: Cause you, you got, of me? Because you got big tits. Okay. An attorney for I ke- wear
3: clothes that
1: fit me.
0: Absolutely you do. <laughs> uh,
1: but I don't think any teacher should be telling any of child not. in
0: school that
1: they're... A plus sized, or that they're B too busty. Like, Absolutely. What the fuck is no, wrong but
3: with it's that? it's the same as your skirt's too short. If your boobs are too exposed.
0: An attorney for 17-year-old Kelsey Anderson st- said in a statement that she was sent to the office at Joplin High School for a dress code violation. The teacher is also accused of telling Kelsey that quote small busted women could get away with more than large busted women. I, I think if you're a teacher, you just shouldn't be talking about busts. Period. Okay, so I,
1: I agreed with you until about a minute ago when Katie said, like, it's a dress code violation and, and it's about how you're dressing. Now, see, I didn't think of it that way. But isn't there a better way to say it as a teacher? Of than, course. Like, yeah, Yo, and don't or, even
3: address it. Like, if you're a man, a male teacher and call you parents. call um, a woman in the school, I don't know, like, you should... that. To talk to a minor about her tits, like you that shouldn't be from a man.
1: Was it a male teacher?
0: Do you know, I'm actually looking to see if it was a man or a woman. Oh,
3: I thought in my head it was a man. First
0: of all, here's what she was wearing. A photo was released showing the teen wearing a burgundy, long-sleeved, laced V-neck shirt and jeans with ripped knees. So there wasn't anything, she wasn't in like a a boob-bearing tank top or something that was extremely low. How
1: V-neck did it go?
0: Well, again, I mean, if, if she had really big kids, Can I see the picture? There's no picture oh. <laughs> uh, that I have. She said, I was mortified by my teacher, of all people, saying something like this in front of my class when I was <gasps> pulled into. In me- front of the class. Oh, yes. Um, when I was pulled into meeting with the principal, he told me, the principal, that he had never heard of uh, me being victimized before and didn't really believe what I was saying. <gasps> The district said that it prohibits attire that materially disrupts the educational environment, but that clothing restrictions uh, cannot t- violate Title IX, the federal law that prohibits discrimination based on sex. Wow. So, the takeaway, if you're a teacher, don't talk about anyone's tits.
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't like know that. that that's the takeaway. I think there's two What's takeaways? the takeaway? I think there's two. Like, obviously the teacher dealt with it wrong, but obviously... The young lady does need to learn how to dress appropriately for the situations in which she's.
3: Unless it also seems like she's saying someone else in the school could wear the same exact shirt, and just because she has small tits, she's okay.
0: I think that's what they were trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: definitely uh, sounds like that's what being. So
3: that's not right. It's
2: like she was so? being punished no. for having big tits. I mean, you, but You can't control how big your tits grow. No,
1: I agree with that. But I'm just saying, like, what if your tits are so big that the, no, b- the largeness d- of them is what makes it seem inappropriate? Well,
2: then the little boys need to learn how to... Women's bodies. are erections <laughs> to
0: themselves. And keep their <laughs> oh. comments to themselves more than anything. I mean, yeah, Jeff, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you saying?
1: No, no, I'm not <laughs> agreeing with the teacher, by the way. Like, I think it was totally dealt with inappropriately. But and I but when I'm commenting about the size, I I mean listen, there's a, there's a difference between double D's and double A's or triple A's or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I just like if a girl that could wear a triple A and you don't see her breast and, and and she wore the same thing, you don't see her breast. But the girl that wears
2: We're gonna get the, so much or hate, has ma'am. the
1: double D's. I mean you have to be aware of the fact that your breasts are larger and therefore might be more exposed based on what you wear versus what the girl with the triple A's wears, Look, right? I mean the bottom
0: line is if she was wearing right if she was wearing appropriate clothing, it doesn't matter how big her tits were. We gotta move can on. I say it's okay. almost no it's almost time oh. for our guest, and I just want to get to this last story because um, I love it. Okay. Um, Katie you can go ahead and get our guest on the phone. In Eastern Pennsylvania, police say a driver's GPS system. Caused him to drive into a Pennsylvania river.
4: <laughs> Come
0: on. The motorist wound up in the Lehigh River in Easton shortly after 10.30 p.m. Uh, the man's GPS led him, to dr- led him to drive along a bicycle path in the park. When the man realized he couldn't drive on the path, he reversed course but found that he couldn't go that way either because of a tunnel under a low bridge. Police say he was unable to stay on the bike path because it narrowed and his car rolled off the path sideways into the river. Police say the the driver wasn't hurt, but he was issued several traffic citations. Online court records did not list what those citations were. Jesus. I live in fear of this. Of
1: people being dumb enough to follow the GPS No, of me being
0: dumb enough because I have no sense of direction and when I'm driving I'm very nervous. I don't own a car. I don't drive in New York City. So on the rare occasions that I have to drive for an out-of-town gig or something, I I do whatever the fucking GPS tells me to do. And sometimes when you're in the country and you're on some back road, you find yourself on a road that isn't a road. Much like this guy who drove into a river because his fucking GPS told him to. Let's hear that... uh, the audio, once again, of his car landing in the river. If you, can.
1: you don't see the river? You don't stop? I mean, even if the GPS is like, go forward 200 your feet, you're still going to go into the fucking water. I'd
0: like to think that I would stop before driving into the river, but I'm just saying that I am a terrible driver and a fearful uh. driver, and I trust that. You know, but I use Waze. You and scare me. Waze never steers me wrong. I would like to do an advertisement for the Waze app, W-A-Z-E, It's a wonderful GPS system, and it never steers you wrong. All right. Speaking of making a splash, our guest today is a highly successful actor and comedian who's appeared in such movies as Birth of a Nation and Tangerine, as well as on TV shows like The Closer, Entourage, and Will & Grace. His latest project is a short film entitled Like Father. Here's a scene from the film. Actually, the whole website crashed. Oh, fuck me. All right, Jason, can you hear me? yes i
5: can hear you you just said fuck me
0: hey baby fuck me <laughs> fuck me hard it's adam Sank. I,
5: I just i i don't even know you know i, I what to say i'm so excited i mean <laughs> this is something i've been waiting for for years for that question and that opportunity um i i feel very lucky and i just wanted to say thank you because i was watching the creative emmys today on my dvr and i was crying because i wasn't nominated.
0: Oh dear. So that was,
5: you know, so uh, I'm just excited that you actually want me to fuck you. I, I've <laughs> always
0: wanted it. Jason, I apologize for the technical difficulties. Is our, no, is our website okay. back online, JB? All right, let's hear a scene from Jason's latest project, the short film entitled Like Father. Hit it. You want to know what I'm f- most proud of my whole life?
5: Full head of hair. <laughs> Goddamn chemo. Do you ever want to talk about anything serious? Well, if you're worried about your inheritance, don't be. There's no secret kid that's gonna pop out of the woodwork. And I was never unfaithful to your mother. Do you hear me? Never.
4: Not once. I'm neither worried about my inheritance, nor you being faithful to Mom. Neither nor. (laughs) Always little fancy pants. So what is it, Jake? Be careful. It's rude to speak ill of the dead. (laughs) You're not dead. Yet.
0: Yes, Queen. And that is Jason Stort. Welcome officially to the Adam Sank Show, Jason Stort. Come on.
5: I'm so excited to be on this show, and I I also use Waze.
0: Do you you (laughs) support my use of the Waze app?
5: Yes, but I have to say one thing really bothers me. On my ways there's a little message. It says one on it. It's been on for months. I can't get it off, and it's making me nuts. What does it say? I don't know. I, it's just a little one. I don't know what the message is. I don't know what it's uh,
0: about. No, I, I get know. those all the time. I agree with you. It always looks like it needs to update or something because there's always a number. I don't know what it
5: is, and it's really upsetting because I like my phone clear. I like to go to the messages, and I like it clear. I like to deal with what happens as it happens. I'm very organized. I'm a dad, as as Adam
0: knows. (laughs) Yes, and a daddy. Jason, I I like my phone like my urine. Clear.
4: Oh, no. Oh. Okay, great. I'm
5: uncomfortable now.
0: (laughs) You should have been around for the earlier conversation. This has been a fucked up show. Jason, you have the career that I want because you are a... a, Oh, man. Seriously, because you're a successful, highly successful, openly gay comedian who has also transitioned... Not into womanhood, but into uh, serious, legitimate, mainstream acting.
5: Oh wow! Well, thank you. It's been a, it's been a, a you know a hard road, I have to say. You know, and I'm a little older than you, so it, it took time. Around ten years ago, I decided I was going to stop touring um, and not be on the road. I was on the road for twenty years, headlining yeah. comedy clubs. I was one of the first gay guys to do that. And uh, if Bob Smith is listening, he was there before me.
0: Yes. We love I want to.
5: Yes, he always says, don't say that. But I always say one of, you know. And I mean, I guess my claim to fame is that I worked in mainstream comedy clubs for so long and was able to be successful in them, um, you know, and joined the boys club. And then after a while, I realized that I was just really physically tired. And I'd gone as far as they were going to let me go. And I decided that I wanted to act more. So I... Uh, took me a couple of years to get a good part and I got a guest star on The Closer and I played an annoying Jew That's and then all of a casting. sudden I got all the yeah but I have- I never uh, I never had gotten parts like that before. So that started the whole thing and then Love is strange and then Tangerine and then Entourage, and then just things just sort of happened and then Birth of a Nation happened. And Birth of a the Nation there are two things that I say is a seminal point in my career. One was coming out on Geraldo in ninety three and taking my power back as a human being that I had given away for so many years. And people always say you know, oh, we knew you were gay and da, da, da. I said, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters what I think in my head and who I am and how I felt. It matters. That's what really mattered to me is that I was free. Right. Jason, getting in the, trouble. The,
0: the, late, the late, great Joan Rivers always said that she considered herself an actress first. Were, did you feel that way all those years that you were doing oh God, stand-up? Yeah. Did, you, did you feel like really you were an actor in your heart?
5: Oh yeah, yeah. I know that Amy Schumer and Jerry Seinfeld, that whole group, will probably have me torched. But um, I I started as an actor. That was where my roots were. I started in theater as a kid, and I started studying when I was fourteen. I did my first play when I was professional play when I was sixteen. I did my first movie when I was uh, uh, eight. uh, I think twenty-one. I did my first TV show guest Star, when I was nineteen. You know, I I just uh, it was. I wanted to be a great character actor. And then I didn't realize that who I was. I didn't realize how I, you know, how people saw me, because being a gay person didn't exist, other than Jim J. Bullock or, you know, Charles Nelson riley Pauline, kind of Pauline those them. guys. Yeah. And then as the years went on, and people like myself and Aunt and a couple of other openly gay comments, Jim David, you know, had all uh, come out. I realized that I didn't want to be somebody that was. It's a punchline. Right. And I love those guys. Love them. It just wasn't for me. I didn't want to be just a funny person and doing comedy. I wanted, I wanted more. Sure. And I figured, you know, I remember, I remember one of the big talk shows, and I won't say which one because I want to call someone out, but I remember calling one of the big talk shows who I knew, that and I said, hey, it's so great. You're going to be the talent booker. I'd love to do this show. And they said, well, if you can do it without being gay. <laughs> We'd love wow. to start working with you. And I thought, that's the day that I said, that was the beginning of the end for me in, of trying to get on talk shows.
0: Right. I mean, this is the problem with being a gay comedian. I always tell people this. is It's not only that, of course, there's the homophobia, right, within the industry, uh, most of which is, you know, from self-hating gay men because the industry is run by gay men pretty much. But also, when you're a stand-up comic, you're you're trying to appeal to an audience that is predominantly straight.
5: I never had a problem with that. Never had a problem with that at all. It was never a problem for me because I started in the comedy clubs. I didn't start as a performance comedian. I didn't start in the gay uh, events and stuff. I was too scared. I didn't even know they existed. I remember doing, I remember being in a car in, in gay pride the year I did that Comedy Central special out there. And I was sitting in the car waiting for the parade to go on. And on the car it was cool. It's a Jason Stewart out there at Comedy Central. And I thought, this is so great. Leah Delaria walks by and starts laughing hysterically right. and screams at me. And she says, why didn't you come out sooner? And I just looked at her, took a beat, and I said, I didn't know I could. Yeah. It never even occurred to me.
0: But I'm talking you about know? in terms of the way, cause, because I have no problem you know with straight audiences either. I love straight crowds. I actually prefer them sometimes. But I mean in terms of club bookers who are thinking, well... I have, a, I have a straight crowd coming in. i got to book straight comedians. They don't understand. Well,
5: it's not even just straight comedians. It's men, specifically. Right. It's sometimes just white men. White men. I mean, there's the, the racism, the prejudice, and the... Uh, uh, I mean, I, I still have it said to me. You sure. Know, can you do this kind of a room? Can you do this? You know, I've been a comedian 30-something here.
0: Right. You're like, I can fucking it's, handle anything at this point.
5: I, 90% of the stuff I can do and do a good job.
0: Right. Since we're talking about your stand-up, let's hear a little bit of it. We'll get a little taste of Jason Stort on stage at Gotham Comedy Club.
4: Oh, great. I love my mom. I'm a mama's boy. (laughs) And when I was a kid, I used to watch all the TV shows on television, like the Partridge Family and the Brady Bunch. Everyone was sweet, nice, and all the moms and dads were widows or widowers. So when I was a kid, I just wanted one of my parents to die so we could be happy. (laughs) (laughs) I love my mom. She's 79 and she still shops at Forever 71. (laughs) She wears cha-cha heels, plastic earrings, and a snap-on ponytail. That's my mom. (laughs) When I was a kid, she she would get really mad if me and my brother would act up or fight. She'd say, if you kids don't stop this shit, I'm sending you all to military school. I said, Fabulous. (laughs) Get your keys, get your purse, come on. I hear they shave people. I was so gay. I couldn't hide it like him. I just... Jason, I love,
0: I love what you do because it's something that I find so difficult as a comic. You actually write one-liners. Do I? Yeah, it seems to me like every oh. line is it... I mean, there's a theme, obviously. You're telling a story about your mom, but every single line is its own joke. And I find that well, very you know, challenging. Well,
5: you old school... It's old school. Yeah. That's the way we were supposed to do it. Because when you were, when I was a comedian headlining clubs so much, you were not, if you didn't get laughs every, you know, every minute or two, or, you know, every other minute or at least one a minute, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get a job again. Right. You know, and I I had to compete with all the straight boys and all the people that were really, really popular, all the TV stars and stuff. It was really, I wish that during those days, I wish I had enjoyed it more. Yeah. It was just so, I was always so scared.
0: How many straight boys came up to you after a show and said, hey, I want to experiment? Um,
5: it used to happen to me all the time when I was a featured act on the road because I was in the closet. And then when I came out, th- that stopped.
0: Isn't that interesting?
5: And then I would, and then I would meet guys. You know, I, I had a number of boyfriends on the road.
0: But it, what you're saying is when you were a closeted person... That's when you would get hit on by the streets. Or play. But when you actually... They would, they
5: would find me. They would find me. They'd call my hotel room. Yeah, they'd find me.
0: Wow. Isn't that so... What does that but I also say? I was
5: so different. I was so different then. You know, I had my crazy clothes and my crazy this. It means that, you know, if somebody's open about who they are, you know, they, want, they, wanted, they, they would just talk to me after the show and we'd go out for a drink or, you know, or we'd go to lunch the next day or something. But these guys would call you your hotel room late at night.
0: And then what would happen? Would they come over?
5: Oh, so once in a while, I gotta say. <laughs> once in a while. Not a lot. I, feel, I mean, I haven't, I, been, I
0: haven't been on the road nearly as much as you have. I'm, I'm pretty much in New York all the time. But when I, when I have been, I feel like Roadcock is sort of few and far between.
5: Really? For you? Yeah. I mean, oh, we got to. When I get to New York from the film festival, we got to meet. I got to. I got to tell you everything.
0: Please okay. tell us now. We want to hear all the I joy a details.
5: T- I got to teach you. Well, no, we didn't even have grinders and stuff like that then. What we you do is you go to the gay bar, and I had to figure out how to get to a gay bar without anybody knowing that I was going because I was afraid to be, you know, out. Of, God, the money I spent on caps, Jesus Christ, you know. I, I mean, I've been worried about people finding out. Even when I did Birth of a Nation the first day in rehearsal, I remember, you know, getting to the set and thinking that they were going to fire me because you, you, you remember the expression, um, uh, your slip is showing? Yes. Yeah. Even though I got the part and I, was, and I did a good job and everything, I was afraid they were going to find out who I was and, and they were going to see. They were going to be looking for something that I did that seemed gay. You know, and get rid of me. And it was like in the back of my mind, it took me a couple of days to get past, it's, you know, it still does, it's such a, uh, you know, I've been fired, I can't even tell you how many times for being gay, it's, especially in it's, comedy.
0: It's really shocking, especially because you were amazing in Birth of a Nation. You, the character that we just heard on stage, like the gay, funny Jason Stewart talking about his mom, that couldn't have been less like this evil, racist slave owner, this very heterosexual slave owner that you played in birth of a nation i believe we have a clip from the movie let's hear that
4: oh wow listen up got a preacher here tonight come here boy now he's a nigga like y'all and he's here to talk to you about the lord so you listen to him and you might just make it into heaven you hear
0: I just saw the movie for the first time this week. I knew that I was going to have you on the show, and I watched it on HBO. And it was one of the most painful experiences I've ever had. It's such a brutal, uh, just mind-blowing movie. It it felt like I was watching a horror movie, except it's 100% true. It all happened. How do you prepare to play that kind of character in that kind of film, Jason?
5: Well, first of all, if you keep saying that, no one is ever going to watch it.
0: <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's, it's, it was, I mean, on, honestly, one of the best films of that year. Thank you. But it's difficult. I
5: feel really, really proud. It, it's a, it, yeah, it, but it's not all difficult, Come on, right? I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I've seen it like six times because I went to so many film festivals with it. Um, first of all, when I got the script, I read it once and I never read it again because I didn't want to know what my character did. Oh. I didn't want that in my head, so I let that go. And I worked on each scene individually for seven days, around four hours a day with different actor friends for seven days. And I just played what was in the scene. I played what I had to do. I played an older plantation owner who helps Army Hammer get his farm, you know, his tobacco farm back in, in running and everything. And uh, I basically never acted with Nate because. You know, I had to pretend like black people were not there because you didn't acknowledge them in those days. And I worked on my accent. And I remember the dialogue coach said, where did you get that accent from? And I looked at him and I said, I don't know, Roots?
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it really felt authentic. Like To me, you were 100% convincing straight, white, racist Southerner. I, I had no I played a lot of straight people
5: I, uh, in my life I played them on, it, it, in a lot of movies that no one ever saw and I you know I, I pretended to be uh straight a lot, I think. <laughs> for years, so now for the I record, know, have you
0: ever actually touched a vagina?
5: Yes, I had a girlfriend for five years. There you go.
0: I think that's what informs your acting. Was touching that vagina.
5: Oh, oh I, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I have a trauma from that?
0: No, but it was such. It was such a, an amazing film. Um, I, I just saw it for the first time this past week. It blew my mind, and I know that there was a lot of controversy when it came out that had nothing to do with the movie itself. It was surrounding Nate Parker uh, and some allegations from the past regarding rape. Twenty
5: years ago. And, wow. yeah, and, and, it and, was, and he was, and he was uh, acquitted and not guilty, and it didn't seem to matter. And if it were a white man in this country, this would not have happened. Well, I believe that's that. probably true. I, but I'm on the inside of that, and I, I, you know, this, this is a man who uh, has an incredible amount of integrity, and you know, has four daughters, and he's he's just a great guy, and I think that he, you know, had a wild sexual night with you know when he was nineteen years old and now and it went awry and one person it was, you know felt one way and one person felt another and if anybody read the transcripts instead of just writing about it they would have known but that's the way this that's the way this world works right now it's all about you know sound bites and people's opinion you know people writing things with their opinion about what they feel and uh... things uh, only
1: going awry once someone becomes famous oh of course but it,
0: but it happens, is a shame yeah. because I think had it not been for that controversy, this is a film that would have won multiple Oscars. It
5: was nominated for a lot of awards. It was nominated for the Image Awards and the Directors Guild Award and uh, several other awards. We got we actually, the actors, uh, actually got uh, an award for Best Ensemble at uh, Backstage Magazine, for Best uh, Studio Film Ensemble. So that was sort of nice.
0: And when, But when I watched the film... I kept thinking about you and and the other white actors in the movie because you do have to play the most brutal, hateful,
1: racist.
0: Not be, beyond racist, though. I mean, there's the brutality that goes on, and Jason's character isn't even the most brutal. He's sort of in the middle.
5: Oh no. There's rape, there's torture, and there's it's, murder. I'm rape.
0: And, and how how do you do that? How do you well? The thing is, is disassociate you play the scene. enough
5: you don't do that. I mean, we're all we're working all for a common goal. We're telling a story of the first you know black man, black slave to fight against the white plantation owners. So I'm telling a story. This is something I wanted to do my whole life is to tell stories that mean something. So when you go to the theater, it changes your perspective of who you are as a human being. And we want we want that's what I want to do. So I'm part of a a bigger picture than just myself, and I'm sure. there to be of service to the director, and as a character actor, that's what I have studied my whole life, to know where my place is in this, uh, in this piece of art that I'm working on, and to know how to support the leading actor and the story, and to know what to do in each scene. To, uh, I mean, there's a dinner scene where I hit the table, and you see that everybody shakes when I make a comment, Yes. And, you know, that's a that's a big, bold choice to make in a movie with all these big stars. And I just did it. But I knew enough to know that when he was doing his prayer at the end of, is that I had to, you know, give the focus back to the, the leading actor. But you have to know, you have to instinctually... Know these things, and sometimes you make a choice that doesn't work, and sometimes you make a choice that isn't enough. Or you know, they say do this, but mostly Nate and I were on the same page. And Army was just Army Hammer was just a joy to work with. He loves to rehearse. I love to rehearse. We were just constantly running lines. And
0: but I would imagine that making a movie like that is not like making a light, fluffy comedy, or or making you know a. Uh, um Another kind of film. It seems like that the, the, the process must have required tremendous focus and also sensitivity because, you know, you're, after the scene ends, you're, you, you are once again a human being and you're with other human beings that you just had to brutalize on, on camera.
5: Yeah, but there was this feeling of, of um, an ensemble, almost like a theater troupe among the actors. I still stay friends with almost all of them. You know, I'm very friendly with Penelope and Miller. I've been very friendly with Esther Scott. Uh, uh, you know, I could call any of them, Coleman Domingo and I talk once in a while and text. I, I, Nate and I have stayed in, I just saw him a little while ago for coffee. So, the, Roger Gander Smith was a friend of mine before. We had done a, another movie together called Dirty. So, you know, it, it was, it, you're, these are your peers, so you, you're artists, so you know what we're doing what you're doing right. it's the same thing in the sense of comedians is that there's a certain bond mm-hmm. rarely have i seen comedians act unsupportive of one another when you're doing something mm-hmm. rarely you know all they show the bike and all these shows and stuff isn't really how we are there's a brotherhood and a sisterhood in that and the same thing is with the actor's mm-hmm.
0: Well, I think it's a stunning achievement, and you're great in the movie. So, if you haven't seen well, it, God, I didn't expect this. Thank both you, Birth of a Nation. I recommend it highly. I want to move on to uh, your current project, your latest project, which is the short film, Like Father, um, in which you play a, a man who is on his deathbed and trying to negotiate a very uh, difficult relationship with his adult son. Tell me how this came about and how you got involved. In I was
5: asked to be in a reading at the Writers Guild of all these things every year. They do a reading at the Writers Guild of TV shows, pilots, movies, uh, shorts, web series, uh, episodics. They do and they read 10 minutes of each you know, piece and there's usually around I think eight different pieces and I was asked to read in three and this particular one was a little short film about an older, very patrician man who was dying of lung cancer and how he wanted his son to forget him. And it got this really big response. And when I did it, I I said to the director, I said, I'm going to do this part a little Jewy and a little New York-y, and I think I'm going to change him a little. Is that okay? And they said, fine. And I did it because I played two other parts, and I wanted to differentiate between each part. And it just seemed to work. And all of a sudden, the part had a little more charm and a little more... um, It gave some brevity to it. And uh, I thought, God, I said, do you think I can make this into a short film? And they said, yeah, because I had directed once before, I directed a web series called Mentor. Mm -hmm. And that's just got... uh, just dropped, as they say, on Amazon this week. Oh, great. And, yeah... It's six episodes, you can watch it on Amazon. Uh, and it's, I think it's like $6 or $5.90, I think, ninety six <laughs> ninety four 94 cents.
0: Peanuts. Peanuts <laughs> to watch this.
5: <laughs> and so, but like Father, so I, I said, can I direct this? And I added a wife and I added a, um, a caretaker worker and I put it in a bedroom instead of a hospital and I took some of the scenes that we talked about and I made it in flashback. And I just, and I directed it, and uh, I just want after Birth of a Nation, you know, I wanted to do something else creative. And yeah. you, you wait for the next piece to come along that really talks to you and resonates. And then we started putting in f- film festivals, and, and uh, now it's gonna be in New York at the October Film Festival, uh, October uh, 6th. Yes. And, uh, and in Los Angeles there's the CMG Festival October 8th, and it's gonna be in Atlanta. And it's in Palm Springs on the 24th.
0: And you guys can find uh, out all of these dates on JasonStort.com. How the fuck did you get that website? That's got to be uh, one that was oh, very in demand.
5: Sorry, uh, No, I got it in 1995 or 94. I was headlining at the last stop in Houston, Texas. And uh, Lance Rubelow, this guy who was helping promote my show, said, you need a website. And I said, I don't even have a computer. <laughs> 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 what do I need a website for? 95,
0: most people didn't know what a website was. I think it was 94
5: and he bought it for me and uh i've had it so i thank lyle every time i can and i've had that website for you know 25 years or something
0: you're very lucky because i'm sure there are <laughs> many people named jason Stewart that would like that oh and uh, people
5: have tried to sell me the uh jason Stewart.org or dot net and i let the other jason Stewarts
0: have that <laughs> yeah fuck them but yeah, so you've got, uh, the, the film is, uh, is touring, and as you said, you directed it, you also produced it, correct? Right, yeah, I
5: produced it, directed it, and also acted it. And we were nominated in Oklahoma for Best Actor, Best Director, and Best Short.
0: That's so exciting. So if you could have your dream job, if someone said, Jason, you can do stand-up comedy, you can act, or you can direct, what would be the one, if you oh, had God. to pick one?
5: What am I, it's like Meryl Streep and Sophie's yes. Choice, except there's three.
4: Um... I would probably, if I could,
5: I would probably want to do what Louis C.K. is doing, which they've never let a gay person do, you know, is have somebody like Judd Apatow say, hey, let's do a series together. Right. And that's what I would like to do, is to do something. But I would would want to star in it. I would like to do an ensemble of, uh, you know, I'd like to be. And what's more fun than calling friends and saying, "Hey, would you like to be in this?" I dream of that. I dream of
0: some comedian friend of mine saying, "Adam, I wrote a script and I have the perfect part for you." So far, it hasn't happened, but I am. I'm available if anyone wants to cast me.
5: Oh, I'd love to see your work. (laughs) (laughs) Your work, yeah,
0: work, quote unquote. Um,
5: Oh, is there one? There's there one piece I can see.
4: Where can people see your stuff? You can
0: see my stuff on AdamSank.com, on YouTube. I've got videos. I'm. I'm all over the place. I got some social media. Pornhub, you know um,
4: places like that.
0: Pornhub. I have a couple. Porn of Hub? Lesser known. Don't get videos. me
5: excited. I've had a crush on this man forever. Who doesn't?
0: Oh, you're so <laughs> sweet. You're sweet. Well, you can. He's see, the hottest
5: comedian in, in the biz. In the gay guys. I mean, God, who's cuter than you?
0: Well, I think Tom Cruise is a cuter gay guy, but no. uh, he doesn't do comedy. Uh, is he gay? We don't know that. Well, who knows? He's a Scientologist, of course he's. Those gay. Those Scientologists, they're wacky. Listen, I not- am a with that show. I love Leah Remini's show.
5: Oh my God, I'm obsessed with it. Yes. It's just, it's fascinating how someone can completely, you know, turn themselves over to this. It's just fascinating. And she
1: won one of those creative Emmys recently as well. Yes, she did,
5: wearing, wearing a dress that didn't work for her, but, you know, I still love
0: her. What she's doing is very brave. Yeah. Uh, I think
5: oh, I it, think so. It's kind of scary, too, because they're out together. I mean, I, yeah. I went on the website looking at Rhea you know they put these terrible things about her
0: yep. yeah and they and they've got billions of dollars to spend jason stewart uh we can see you uh not only your short film like father at various film festivals across the country but you're also per- still performing comedy across the country october 12th at ventura harbor comedy club october 13th through 17th at Pachanga resort and casino in temecula california uh, he's going to Canada on October seventeenth. You guys can see him everywhere if you visit JasonStuart.com. Are you are you on the Twitter? Or are you on the Instagram? How can people follow you? Everything on social media? is on the
5: website. I have everything. I have three Facebook pages. I have Twitter. I have Instagram, Tumblr, Google Plus. Pornhub. I wish.
0: <laughs> well, I congratulate you on all of your successes. Adam is so so
5: sweet. I'm not used to the other gays, you know, calling me and
0: everything. Of so, course, I'm. have always really, been a fan, and I'm, it's a pleasure to have you on my, on my ass, uh, as we call this yes. show, the Adam Sanction. I know. So, Jason, um, thank you for being with us. I love you. I salute you. I masturbate to you.
1: He is kind
0: of hot. Um, I want to thank everyone who made this show possible today. I want to thank our guest, Jason Stewart. A brand new ass next week. Our guest will be a mystery guest because I don't have anyone booked yet. Tune in to find out who it is. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Adam Sank. Download my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. And have a great week, bitches. Woo!